What's going on, everybody? You've got the cardboard coaches here with your boy, Coach Go. I am the cartel. I'm repping Unabomber cartel. That's a joke for the older people in the room. Nice. I'm going to be surrounded by young people in the room today, Brendan. I decided you are not young enough to make me feel as old as I want to be, as get off my lawnish as I want to be. That's good. So we'll be joined a little bit later on today with someone even younger than you. Did you know that that's possible? Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that it is possible. There are younger not mistaken, people. people didn't stop being born after the, uh, the wonderful year of 93. I didn't know this. Apparently, know. there are people born even more recently. There's people born past 2000, and, and we're going to speak to them. And they're in the hobby. Imagine they're that. They're in the hobby. They're creating great content. We're going to speak to them because we speak to everyone, all shapes, sizes, you name it, here on the Cardboard Coaches. What kind of, what kind of shapes are there? There's like a, like a pear and an apple, and there's bananas. I'm kind uh, of. Who do, who do we categorize, categorize into, into which category? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> what we do categorize is uh, fashion. And, and as you can see, I'm, I'm putting on the hoodie in honor of our guest today, uh, Conrad of Luca Nation. Uh, and it makes me feel young, Brendan. I feel young and boisterous, full of energy. You know what I mean? Look like, you kind of look like E.T. on the bicycle, dude. That's right. Yes, I'm bundled up. <laughs> Go go home. Um, repping uh, the obscure hockey league, the ECHL. Uh, anybody that knows me knows I love obscure hockey leagues where generally what happens is there's a lot of goal scoring and a lot of fighting. But speaking of a lot of goal scoring, Brett, what's going on these days in the Ligue de National Hockey? Well, um, our boys the Toronto Maple Leafs are doing pretty well. I mean, albeit everyone knocks the uh, Canadian division and it is what it is, but you can't argue with the fact that Austin Matthews is two goals away from 40 in like 52 games. I think it's a little bit ridiculous. He's on a torrid pace as is Mitch Marner and another Canadian boy, Connor McDavid. I don't know if you saw yesterday, but he scored a goal that was, Pretty much a complete replica to the Crosby goal uh, against, I think it was Montreal, where he split three defenders and then was falling down and just like knifed it. It, uh, I mean, real. it seems like every night those two are doing, I mean, all three of them are doing something crazy. And uh, I honestly, I, we go back to a conversation we had unlike episode 22, where if those two guys, three guys meet in the playoffs, man, are there going to be fireworks? If both of those teams make it past the first round and play each other in the second round, man, are there going to be fireworks, man. It is going to be great potential scenarios. That's how they put together the divisions this year. So many potential scenarios. The, the men that carry the sport on their back are performing. Uh, you know, Matthews and McDavid are just blow. Like, we're, we're getting throwback performances back in the days. When I was growing up and we were watching the likes of Brett Hull and Mario Lemieux, um, we're getting some throwback performance. It's almost sad that, that the season is, is kind of cut short in that way. But it just it really amplifies just how amazing those performances are. Personally, and, uh, great, 
great for the hobby, obviously. Um, and something again that I continue to keep my eye on is is the the you know the eighties uh, the eighties market in particular. The nineties market is kind of separate. Nineties market is less about rookie cards and more about inserts. But that eighties market that's really been softening throughout this whole time we've been discussing these things, um, with Flurry working his way up the goaltending win ladder, um, with records being spoken of. Uh, maybe there will be, and, and even with the Kraken uh, coming into the league and Ron Francis as their, uh, what is he, the president or GM, I think believe he's the GM, um, and uh, Patrick Waugh apparently wants to get back in, maybe there will be a little bit more focus on the vintage as well. The hobby as a whole for hockey, it's looking solid. I'm getting a lot more people asking about it. I don't know about, I don't know about you. I mean, obviously, you rep a lot of soccer. Um, yeah. But, uh, people, are, people come to me, they're, they're, they're buying hockey, they're, they're talking about hockey. Seems that the interest is there. Yeah, honestly, and I was I was gonna say even you know mid mid conversation. Um, I am personally just so happy for this season to finally be over and playoffs to start. I'm gonna be real with you. I'm not a fan of of this format. I hope it never happens again. And the reason why I'm not a fan of it is just playing the same team over and over again is absolutely killing me. I like, I like watching the matchups. I like, you know, uh, I just like seeing every different team. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons why hockey hasn't moved the way that it typically does, except for the Canadian division. I mean, like, honestly, at least even from experience, most of the cards I'm selling are, are Canadian teams. Um, Versus, you know, in another year, if Pavel Buchnevich scores a hat-trick against the Leafs on a Saturday night, you know, Rangers versus Leafs, uh, I mean, that would get a lot of attention. Um, right. And you just don't see those kinds of matchups. But aside from, from like, dollar value, as a fan, you just want to see a team play a different team. That being said, um, I do think that the gloves are off when it comes to the playoffs. I, I think... Um, I, I was wa- reading something yesterday and uh, they were talking about the, how the overall, some of the big cards in the sports card market in general are kind of soft right now. And mm-hmm. they were talking, I don't remember who they are. I, you know, I'm a terrible person when it comes to reminding, remembering names and uh, charts, but Wait, last, last week it was Riley Smith. You were thinking of on the, no, yeah, yeah, I yeah, know. I know. Who is a but, playoff performer? Absolutely. Yeah. But um th- this chart was indicating that it seemed like the market was getting a little bit soft. Um, but I honestly, I just think that people are putting their money everywhere right now. I think, uh, I think there's no clear winners right now. And uh, our guest on the show is going to have a case for his side because uh, he's a huge basketball fan. Huge. We're going to get into talking basketball, which obviously yeah. something that pops into my head these days when, but like, again, last episode we talked about, well, what are, what are some new plays? I'm a hockey guy and here I am. I'm, I'm starting to poke around in some other sports. Uh, people are looking at UFC, which uh, Prism came out. Looks like good value, despite the fact that the retail pricing was so high. I, I certainly have not been able to get in on it yet. Yeah. Um, and a lot of hype in that sport as well. But basketball always remains the most hyped sport, getting a lot of interest. And it, it, you can argue it's what caused this tidal wave that we're currently involved in. Yeah. And for that reason, I think... Um... And I'm just going to tie this back to soccer because I can't, I can't, I can't help but do that. Um, with the Champions League final coming up, the Euro coming up, and then eventually the World Cup next year, I think that's going to just continue. 
we're, we basically have nonstop big sports for a bit, at least until I personally think the end of 2022. And yep. it's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. I really don't think that the market is soft at all. I think that, uh, I mean, every day I get new messages from people wanting to jump in and how do I do this and asking about different sports and different players that, you know, we haven't mentioned before. I know there's a lot of documentaries in the works as well, which is huge. Yeah, there's a, there's another, there's a soccer one coming out at the end of the month on Netflix about Roberto Baggio. So that's going to spark interest in the 90s. Like it's uh, it's a fun time. But, you know, the way things have been running, it was kind of inevitable that we would see some market fatigue when you are seeing when you're able to source most of the, the you know, the, the cards that aren't incredibly scarce or low numbered, you're seeing them sold in, in, in bunches via PWCC. Um, we're exposed to golden auctions almost on a weekly basis. There's going to be a little bit of market fatigue. Um, Rocky Mountain, our good friend, Brian, who's been on the show, pointed out. Uh, a lot of bad strategic movements by some of these auction houses. They're only interested in making their money. And I spoke about this in a previous episode of Cardboard Coaches, where people are trusting these these auction houses to make the right moves for them. And I'm speaking about PWCC specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Something like golden auctions, there's a level of personal touch that is that is a bit more streamlined, organized, and I think strategic. PWCC is throwing stuff out there. Random times, random days. Uh, Brian made a good point. If the NFL draft is going on, if major events are going on, that's not when you want your cards to be ending. And it was and a, th- it was a Thursday night. So even yeah. if, even if it wasn't the NFL draft, it's a Thursday night. Why? I'm you know, like, I have to drop. I, and I'm just, I'm not an auction house and yeah. I'm, I'm just dropping little notes here. Like, you know, end your auctions between seven and, and, and 11 PM Eastern standard on Sunday and Monday. And, and by the way, there's, and even some pals of mine on, on Instagram still don't seem to be getting that through. But um, again, th- these are auction houses dedicated to to uh, auctions and maximizing your value. Yeah, man. Like it's performance based. You know what I mean? Like it, you're but... sitting on a card, you're sitting on a base PSA 10 um, that fluctuates pretty much with performance when it yeah. comes to baseball. And someone looks it up and sees these PWCC auctions. It does affect the market. Of course. Your card directly. Right. I got so, a, I got a question for you. Do you think that because you know most people talk about golden and high ticket items, you know, at this point should probably be listed through golden. Now, my question is if I'm looking on golden auctions, are there too many options? Do you know what I mean? Like imagine you sub a card that might be I don't know, 2 or 3,000, maybe maybe 510 and you're scrolling through as a buyer now. Yeah, I, I like where you're going with that. I, you're, you're, I scroll through as a buyer, okay? And there yeah. are 1,500 listings, 2,000 listings, 3,000 listings. And they're all, and they're all diamonds. Right? And they're all crazy. They're, they're each and every one of them is crazy. You know what right. I mean? Like, how do you, I mean, well, do you, if, if it's a, let's say it's just a PSA 10 Sapphire Tatis, you know, right. like, does it actually become less valuable because it's in front of all those other crazy cards? There's two you know? ways to look at that. And, and the first way that you're, that you're kind of suggesting is that um, it becomes overshadowed by all this other stuff. It kind of gets lost in the, in the mire. Um, the second way to look at it, though, however, if I'm trying to be positive about it. Yeah, is yeah that, for sure. You know, a guy keeps missing, right? You keep missing these grails that you're going after. And you, there is a psychology. 
For sure. But and again, you and I are the same. I, I can't remember the, the 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 specific account that was talking about this, but they published an article on the psychology of collecting. If you've got that two thousand in your wallet, it's burning a hole. Yeah. You want to spend it. So if yeah. you keep missing this, 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 they might fall on your sapphire tattoos and want to buy it. Um, it could go either way. I, I like that that take that you threw out there that we don't hear a lot, which is that by consigning with someone like Golden, you're you're in you're in the sea of diamonds. Look, I, my biggest sales of 2021 so far, or 2020, I don't think I would have sp- done better. Now I've got a very old, long-standing account with I'm a top seller. Um, my Habib sale, uh, the night that he won and retired, I, I think that was one of the top sales of his rookie autograph. I don't know if I could have done much better through an auction house. Uh, I did very well with some of my Matthew stuff on his initial bump. Uh, I don't think I would have done better in an auction house. But when we start to get into the very, very high end, because I'm not a five-figure roller or a six-figure yeah. roller yet, um, you know, that that's something I may consider and, and, yeah. and look into yeah. And, and the reason why I ask is because like I, I've been, I went looking for comps on the golden website right. and I was just like, man, there's too much stuff. Like personally, I was like, I went through like maybe three pages and each page has like 20 things on it. And I'm like, man, this is like, is a They've lot like so rapidly. Like there is a lot of shit here, man. Like and yeah. every single thing there, you're like, wow, this is crazy. Wow. This is crazy. Wow. This is crazy. And like, you, it's very easy to find something even on like the first page that you're like, okay, this is something I'm probably going to latch onto. And like, I don't know what's on the, the 60th page. I have no idea, you know? So yeah, I, that's a really good point. That, that That's, that's a take I haven't seen out there that, that makes sense. Try, try. Yeah. Uh, we, we got a gentleman waiting for us, so we should probably let him in now. Already right. We got him. All right. So folks, we've got with us now. It is Samuel Conrad. He is an Instagram sensation. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best like Mean Gene Okerlund here. And uh, at just 16 years of age, he's producing absolutely hilarious content alongside some pretty deep basketball analysis. So I, I, I would never uh, peg him as just a uh, content uh, producer of humor. He is also an analyst and we love analysts here at the Cardboard Coaches. Uh, so Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you. you. I'm very happy to be here. Welcome. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to first ask you a little bit about Luga Nation, uh, which you are a part of. Um, For sure. You guys guys are branded. um, You're a big presence online. And let us know a little bit about how you got into the hobby when you did. Has it been a little while? Is this something that you just hopped into and uh, and what you collect for sure. All right. Uh, well, my, my journey started with Pokemon. I, I did not start as a sports card collector. That kind of came in. in a, it, was a, it was a mesh of things that all kind of combined together to eventually become the sports card collector that I am today. So I started with Pokemon, very obsessed with a game uh, on my DS back, the, back in the day. And I was collecting, you know, I was buying packs from Target and Walmart, ripping them open, you know, all that sort of stuff. Right. It was fun. And, um, you know, a couple of years later, two things got me into sports. First of all, my uncle, huge Steelers fan, loved his uh, loved his football. He's also a pretty relatively big basketball fan. But he got me into sports, was trying to encourage me to watch them more and collect. Well, not collect, but watch them more and follow them more, track them. I played sports, but never really paid attention to any professional teams or anything like that. Um, so he was kind of pushing me in that direction. And at the same time, I had a friend who was a huge Eagles and Bears fan. And what officially got me hooked on sports was this specific moment 
Um, I know you guys are Canadian. I don't know how much football you guys have watched yeah. in the past or anything like that. Um, but for those of you American listeners out there, the specific moment was, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but it was Deshaun Jackson's punt return for a touchdown and a huge, I want to say like 31 point comeback against New York Giants. Unbelievable moment, just absolutely insane. And Deshaun Jackson became one of my favorite players, which led me to love LaShawn McCoy. And so all three of those things combined into one. I start, I stopped at Target one day with plans to buy a Pokemon pack. And you know, and I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna buy football. I'm gonna buy this pack of football cards and see what happens. And I rip open the pack, I look through them, and I pull a Topps Chrome base card, 2013 Topps Chrome base card of LaShawn McCoy. And when I tell you I lost my mind, I think I literally was screaming, Mom, oh my gosh, I've loved LaShawn like because I was in the car on the way home at the time. Yeah. I was in the car. I'm yeah. pulling the, in the back seat. I lost my absolute mind. It was hilarious. Um, and that from that moment on, no more Pokemon. It was all sports from then on out. Constant trips to Target, buying whatever I could get my hands on. And of course, at the time, I was I was whatever eight, nine, ten years old, maybe a little bit older. I didn't have a bunch of money to work with, and I mean, retail prices back then are still definitely cheaper than what they were what they are now. But I still had to stick with you know the the one dollar packs and yeah. the four dollar packs. It's relatively cheap stuff. Yeah. So after a while, I stopped, um, you know, b- buying and collecting cards because I had so many. I think it was close to like 7,000 across three or four different sports, which was insane for me. Um, and I stopped for a little while. I was like, you know what? It's fine. I like my collection. I, 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 at this point, I'm just pulling the same stuff all over again. I'm good with it. I don't really care anymore. And around 2018, I saw more Instagram ads and YouTube ads about cards overall, more of it popping up in my social media feed in general. And I was like, it's been a while. Let's let's watch some let's watch some breaks and let's watch some ripping and stuff like that. Just getting back into it, and what eventually got me like to invest and and flip cards and buy and sell with it, at least a little bit of an idea of making money was a Gary V video, which many yeah. people of course got in because of him. But I think it was one of the first videos he put out that made me get back into it. Unfortunately, like I just said, a lot of the stuff that I was pulling was very cheap. So when I looked through my collection, I probably only had one or two cards that were over like five dollars worth. So I started with a very small budget. I sold my PlayStation 4 for like $200 and worked my way up to whatever my budget is now. I couldn't really tell you what it is. Um, it's definitely not as insane as some people out there, but you know, it's it's probably in the four figures, which is more money than I've pretty much ever had in my entire life. And yeah. I'm perfectly happy with that. Dope. Um, so that's basically my journey in the hobby. And it's been pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. I love hearing the stories that you touched on because it's like the power of a pack when someone's initially getting into the hobby and, and it's like, it's not necessarily the value, right. And in, in, in your case, and again, I don't know much about football. I'm assuming it's, it's because it was a PC type. It of was thing. My yeah. favorite, one of my favorite players. It personally, like for us <laughs> yeah. in Canada, it was pulling Wayne Gretzky cards. Right. And hundred percent. Yeah. When I got into the, the money-making aspect, of, of the of the hobby which we all inevitably fall into for me it was a pack i told this story a few episodes ago of my first basketball pack was the spx product where i pulled the autograph steve francis rookie card now he was a big deal at the time he was the top guy and yeah. at that point then i was hooked on a different level beyond just collecting because all of a sudden grown men were offering me thousands of do- thousands of dollars for cards and that's yep. your reality now. And it's, it's Brendan's reality, having gotten into this, this sport, uh, sorry, the hobby um, in this crazy time. So what, when did you kind of, what, what was the moment where you realized like, this is not a, a, a game. This is not just a hobby. What was there? Was there a moment where you're like, wait a minute, this is big money and a big deal. 
Yeah, 100%. Um, Because at, at the time when I saw Gary V's video, I was like, okay, you know, I can make whatever, $100 from this, you know, whatever. Like over a year span, maybe I make $200 or something like that. Um, I was on the bull bull train. I know that you guys may remember his bubble period where his prices went nuts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I still believe he's a very talented player. Game. We we talk yeah. we talk about this frequently. <laughs> yes. Um, and I love the guy. I still think he's a fantastic player. He's not getting a ton of opportunity, but I remembered he was probably a top five draft pick, got injured in college, and then fell all the way to 42. And his prices were ridiculously cheap. And I'm like, I know this guy is good. He had one freak injury and it's, it's, it's a broken foot. It's not going to be like a, a, a torn ACL where, yeah. you know, Oh, he's never going to be probably the same player again, unless, you know, it's a one in a million shot. Right. Um, and I'm like, I'm going to buy his cards. They're like a dollar for a prison base card, you know, five bucks or 10 bucks for prism silver court sides, court side silvers, contenders, like PSA 10. Like I, I yeah. had a lot of his stuff. Yeah. And then the bubble rolls around and the base, the base prism cards that I bought for $1 shoot up to 45 at their peak. I sell like 10 of them for $350. I sell hoops cards for a hundred dollars, prism greens, pink ices, all that stuff. I made like a thousand dollars in a 24 hour period. And I'm like, this is way more money than I've ever had in my entire life. And way more money I've ever made in this much time yeah. ever. And I'm like, it, it freaks you out, right? <laughs> it, it was unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's a rush. I mean, I was, yeah. it was unbelievable. And I, and I'm sitting here, I'm like, so this is not just uh this is not just a little kid's collectible thing that you, you know, you have fun with. This is like, there's some serious money to be made here. If you play your cards, right. And you can also collect on the side and you, you, you can do both. Right. And it was, yeah, it was an cool. unbelievable feeling and unbelievable realization. It was crazy. Yeah. That's and awesome. it's also, it's also wild that like, all you got to do is prospect like one scenario. And then all of a sudden, like those 20 X 30 X 40 X gains from like a penny stock. Yeah. And start putting money into like the big stuff. You know what I mean? You just have to wait for the perfect storm and then, and then you increase your bankroll and you're like, okay, now I'm rolling, you know? Yeah. Yep. And it's, and it's, I an, mean, example of, it's an example of, you know, and, and so clearly like just from watching your, your content, Sam, I see that um, you are obviously doing deep dives in the, in the basketball and you're considering like who, you know, who are going to be the performers? Um, are there some, some uh, bets you can place that aren't, you know, the, the mainstream, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you find um, in your travels in the hobby? Um, Cause I always, I, and I ask Brendan stuff like this again, I, I've been doing this for so many years. I I've seen the, the advent of grading. I've seen uh, uh, you know, all, all the different trends over the past couple decades, you're coming into this and I'm sure your buddies are into it as well that are in your age group. Are there a couple in- there's not yeah, a ton, honestly. Not a ton. I'm sure. Not I'm sure most most of the people you meet are probably older. Are are the people you're meeting? Are they are they just card people? Or and I, I guess this can maybe tie into Luca Nation as well. Um, but are they just card people? Or are you meeting people that are doing deep dives on sports and using that? Because I think the most successful among us, we have to consider the sports before we go into the cards. Is, are yeah. you seeing that kind of thing? That's just it. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why I decided to start the should that was one of the first pieces of content I did. I put a couple of TikToks out there and I was like, I, I feel like I'm a kind of funny guy. No, I, I might as well try this. Why not? Right. Um, and the, the first official piece of written content or the first official piece of content that I actually put out to like help people that wasn't comedy or a card of my own was a should you invest post to figure out, you know, what, what's the talent level of this player and stuff like that. And the reason that I chose it specifically was, 
no one else is doing it. Still, no one else is very rarely doing it, right? Like no one else really gives analytical dives on individual players to say, hey, here's what they can do. Here's what they can't. Here's a realistic outcome in their future, the situation they're in. And I'm like, I might as well try it, right? I feel like I've got a pretty good grasp on basketball. I might as well give it a shot. And, you know, it, it happened to work out because no one else was doing it. It was something that was very new to the hobby. Um, and it, in, in general, I still don't really see a ton of people that that talk specifically or write specifically about the sport and then, you know, combine it with the uh, with with the with the hobby. Right. Yeah, like- there are podcasts that, of course, do it. There's just not a lot of written content out there that does exactly the same thing. Um, as far as people that I meet, it's a mix, right? People like there's a bunch of different people in the hobby. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not one, I'm not a guy that won't answer a DM. I'll answer every single person that sends me a DM, sends me a message, asks a question. Like, I'm not going to be someone that has 99 unread messages on my phone, right? I'm always going to answer. So, you know, you come across a wide variety of people, funny people, you know, like people that produce comedy, people that produce written content, people that don't produce content at all and are just collectors, it's a very, very big mix. If I had to give you like a majority, it's it's either flippers or collectors. I mean, there's just not a lot of right. there's honestly, if I had to put it one way, there's a, there's a good amount of content creators in the hobby, but when you really put it into perspective in terms of like a ratio, there's a lot less content creators out there than there are people in the hobby, which is yeah. kind of insane to see. Yeah. Now, was was your content was your output, and I'm gonna get to the humor in a second because you are absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Thank you. Uh, you know, uh, Brendan and I are big fans of Peter Pacman, and you, alongside Peter Pacman, give me the most consistent laughs. There's plenty of like, there's plenty of great humor out there. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Berry and Lameem James do great memes. But yes, I do. I, I love the the extra added element that it's it's you acting out these scenarios. Um, I particularly like the NT, uh, NFT one where you're you're opening the office door and you're like, "Are we supposed to know what we're doing here?" <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay, just checking. Yeah. And uh, there, there are a couple other uh, really good ones recently as well. I liked the one where the guy gets his PSA order back. Uh, he's not he's not very thrilled with the grades. And then the guy's telling him, by the way, you owe me like thirty thousand um, dollars. And, and are you uh, I'll ask you later on, but because uh, you're using is, is it a SpongeBob reference or something you're using? You're using audio it, from something else. So I, I can tell you exactly like what my process is. Uh, I mean, first of all, Shout out to Peter Pacman. I love that guy as well. Fantastic, hilarious content and also legitimately one of the nicest people that you will ever talk to. Um, I I love him too. He's great. Um, What I, my personal process is I'd spend whatever, 30 minutes, an hour on TikTok per day, like just scrolling through it, whatever. I'm on the toilet. I'm in the car. I'm walking somewhere, whatever, right? Um, Just throughout the day. And what I'll do is if I come across an audio that I'm like, even if I don't have an idea immediately, I'm just yeah, like, I think I could it. use this for cards. I think yeah. I could use this at some point. Yeah. And then I just save it or I'll send it to my, like send it to myself. That way it's like a reminder. And I'm like, I open up my messages and I'm like, Oh, I forgot about this. And whatever I like, my plan is to put out one of them a day, right? Something like that. So I'll sit down if I don't have an idea for sure yet or something saved, sit down, scroll through it, listen to the audio, spend whatever 30 seconds on each. If I don't have an idea, move on to the next one. I, um, and it's not necessarily all the sounds and the audios that I use come from a particular show or the same thing. I don't know how to put it any other way. The same piece of whatever, the same movie, TV show or anything like that. It just happens to come across on my social media feed. And I'm like, I might as well use it. I don't know where it came from, but it just sounds like it could work. (laughs) So that's my process. Crafting around the audio. That's that's interesting. They're just trendy, uh, trendy sounds on TikTok. You, and exactly. you literally you can save them and then just create a video 
Aton, you're you're really showing your age right now. I love I'm it. learning. Hey man, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to <laughs> trying to I'm trying to get all the angles, you know. Now yeah. is, is Lucanation is Lucanation like just is the the idea you guys are a consortium of minds in the hobby? Did they come to you? Did you uh, reach out to them? It was in a way a mutual partnership. I mean, they they were the ones that first proposed it. It wasn't like I came up with the idea of joining them. They kind of brought it up. They were like, "Hey, we're thinking about like whatever expanding into this territory or bring like starting this this little thing." Not necessarily saying we're recruiting you, but just like a heads up if you ever at one point want to do it. And this was relatively recently after I did a podcast episode with them, much like what we're doing right now, a guest episode. And I thought about it and I was like, these are great guys. I've listened to their podcast, whatever, however many times over. They're great. Why not do it? Right. I mean, I, I figured I might as well give it a shot. And I don't necessarily say that like we have an end goal, like we have to hit this number or we have to build this or we have to do this or that or the other thing. It's more or less just expanding the hobby. I think we're kind of just trying to create not necessarily a centralized network for content. Actually, no, that's exactly what I would say. It's, it's basically just starting to create a, a, a centralized network for content in the hobby, right? Like you can specifically find people that know baseball, that you know basketball, that know about Pokemon or grading and stuff like that. Just expanding the hobby a little bit, giving people a, a larger source that they can go to, right? It's cool. it's not necessarily like, hey, we need to make a ton of money from this or, hey, we need to do this. It's just a group of people having fun, hoping that they can educate as many, as many people as possible, drop some knowledge, right? Um, so I'm having a lot of fun with this, creating different types of content. It's really expanding uh, my capabilities as a content creator myself, whatever, figuring out how infographics work or figuring out this format of content and stuff like that, figuring out how to use different platforms, which is fantastic as well. So it's a great learning opportunity as well as just a really fun opportunity overall. I'm having a blast with them. Awesome. awesome. And so when it comes to the market, I mean, we, mm -hmm. we, we want to we touch base on some of the big topics with you. And again, I just love getting the different perspectives. I, I think I think different age groups might have different perspectives. I think one hundred percent different parts of the of the hobby have different perspectives. And again, I, and I'm I'm someone who can sit back and take that in because I've I've kind of seen it. I've seen the dips. I've seen I've seen uh, a lot of people. Just as an example, um, I, I always remind people that I'm never one to just pigeonhole what's happening as a COVID related, pandemic related situation late 2019 saw a lot of market movement that was trending in ways where I saw it was happening with vintage. I saw it was happening with basketball Yeah, There's someone, you know, looking into the hobby and setting up at shows and um, people forget that there was already kind of an upwards trend. And then of course yep. you, you throw in, like you said, your experience was a lot like others when they, when they started to catch on to Gary V that was kind yeah. of like the, the trigger, right? What are your feelings at this point? So I would imagine as a result of coming in in such a hot market, you, you may have been more involved in this time period in a concentrated way than I have, because I'm kind of spanning the, the whole time. What do you think is going on with the market right now? Do, do you think, are we going to be able to sustain what we've seen? Because basketball was molten hot and, and remains hot. But are, yeah. are we going to sustain this? What, what's your take on where we're headed? It's a very interesting path, especially like at the moment, this is a great time to be questioning because at the moment, a lot of people would say basketball is soft. And I'm eventually going to be putting out a tweet about this on my own page. Something that we haven't seen is, you know, usually um, typically what you can expect in all sports in the playoffs is the best guys, best players on the best teams rise 
right as we get to the postseason or right as we enter the first round of whatever playoffs you are, you're, you're going to be in, right? LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis Antetokounmpo, those guys specifically for basketball and, of course, a couple more, right? However, this year, everything is kind of flatlined or maybe dipping slightly or maybe growing ever yeah. so slightly. Yeah. We do have, you know, whatever, like a month before the postseason starts. So there may be plenty of time for this to change, whatever, 15, 20 days. But because for a couple of reasons, because I think in the NBA specifically, because it's so even literally, I think I wouldn't be shocked if the sixth best team instead of the best or the second best team if the sixth best team in either conference were to win a championship. I would not be as shocked as I would have been in any other year as a basketball fan. And that is very insane to say. It just goes to show how closely, how close this, this NBA finals or this playoff run is going to be for teams. And in my opinion, I'm not guaranteeing anything, but I'm thinking a lot of people will know that they're looking at the standings and seeing how even it is. And this may be more of a reactionary playoff market, especially for basketball that we're used than what we're used to seeing because it's so even because people don't want to put a ton of money into Kawhi Leonard as a third seed. And they get upset in the first round by the sixth seed, because that could most certainly happen. No one would really be too shocked if that did happen. And so people are kind of understanding, Hey, I couldn't lose money here. So I'm going to react to the market. If I think that, Hey, this team's up three, one, I think that they're going to win this move on to this round and then beat the next team in the next round. Then I'll commit to buying, which is not something that we, that we're used to seeing the overall market. And as far as sustainability goes, I think that we can, keep this going for a while um it kind of depends on i think outside factors more, more or less right like um i mean first of all high-end cards and super rare cards you know um whatever as far as you know one of ones go and 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 rpas exquisite patches national treasures and stuff like that uh the classic cards the mickey mantle the michael jordan wayne gretzky all that sort of stuff that'll probably uh, obviously sustain value no matter what if it if it experiences a loss it won't be quite as crazy as what we may see in a base market or in any ultra modern market that we have right now. But if anything were to happen as far as finances go, if, if there were to be a market crash of some sort, a housing market crash, a, 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 something going wrong with the banks, whatever it is, something similar to COVID where economically the United States especially experiences some failure, that would be the only factor or the only major factor that I could see end this golden era of cards because people would rather focus on, you know, buying the essentials rather than, you know, investing and flipping in cards, especially if those cards are really losing a lot of value, um, right. Like during that moment. So overall, I think we can sustain this period of growth. I don't think it's going to be another, like another, where we see another year like this, where cards are literally jumping like a thousand percent in a, in a 10 day span or something like that. Um, but I think it'll, it'll go back to somewhat pre COVID pre virus, times where over a year long period, you may see not 10% growth, but rather 50% because there's more people in the hobby, but it's slowed down in comparison to what we're used to seeing. Um, That's my idea of what we're going to see in the hobby. Of course, there's going to be individual pillars of the market that we see fluctuate a lot. Like all of a sudden this specific parallel catches fire and every single card doubles in value, or this specific player blows up or base cards have a revival period where in two months they go from this price to this price and crash back down. That's going to happen. You know, you can't control, control those different aspects of the market as one individual. But if you were to look at it over a 10 year period, I'm expecting slow casual growth with certain pillars going up and down in between, in my opinion.
Interesting. And when you're talking about parity in the league and everything you were talking about heading into the playoffs, Brendan, what sport does that sound like? Sounds like the NHL right now. Sounds like the NHL. It's yeah, absolutely. Um, but that being said, uh, that's putting that aside. Um, so, you know, like just as an example, one of my buddies had had a, had a LeBron sitting around in his closet, which was wow. the, the, the chalk card. Um, and again, forgive me, I'm, I'm just not a basketball expert, but it was an orange, which I believe is out of 25 of the chalk card. So you're probably getting excited hearing about that. Yeah. And so an orange is also a Cavaliers color. It's a LeBron color. So it's also a really good color matching aspect too well, for it, collectability. It, and it will make you sad to know he's one of these collectors that he's never going to sell any of his stuff. But uh, he, he was used to this card being, I don't know, a $50, card. So is now that jump that happened, is that going to sustain? Like are all the LeBron and Kobe jumps that we saw, can people expect that there's going to, there's going to be some people who bought, unfortunately, at a very high point that are yeah. going to be holding the bag, I would imagine. Well, I agree. The, the 2020, 2021 prism, like that one, when it first debuted the landscape shot, like it was outrageously expensive like yep. the stupidest i was like oh this is a base card man i'm like this is like it's a nice shot but and it's like a relatively iconic photo but man come on I'm like this thing is ridiculous right now and it's, yeah. it's come down a considerable amount since and uh as as most market corrections right like but um yeah i i, I just kind of jumped on on the response and then uh, obviously sam you can as well but I just, I can't, I can't see inserts making that same jump or a sustainable jump like that. Like I, yeah. I think there are, there's definitely a market for inserts and, and there always will be. Um, I just don't, I don't see it going toe to toe with, with a rookie. And like, sometimes it does. And I'm like, how, how is this possible? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think no. I mean, to answer your question, no, they will not. You will not see all Kobe's that have jumped or all LeBron's that have jumped or anything like that that has seen a major increase. You are not going to see that sustain. There's going to be probably 90% of those cards, 80% of those cards over a 10-year period will be much, much lower than what they are now. And over a 50-year period, they may recover to what they were at, but that's just due to inflation. That's not due to any sort of value increasing overall. It's just because the market's getting more expensive because of more dollars in the market, right? Um, so no, I like, that's my answer to your question. However, like I was just talking about the ultra rare stuff, like the one of one of that specific shot that will probably sustain some relatively good value, especially with Kobe's passing and, and the tribute dunk that that is yeah. very special moment. Um, and some of them still won't survive because I've seen plenty of cards on eBay of iconic moments or that just look really good yeah. that are whatever 20 bucks yeah. and no one else is buying them because it's it's not the thing to be it's not the thing to be chasing right now yeah. um that's why a lot of the cards the the random cards today that you can think of just why would you buy that it's not a rookie it doesn't hold any significant value it's it's a base card or a, a very high pop parallel why would you buy that it's just not going to sustain it, yeah. it just simply won't. Um, so some of that ultra rare stuff, the rookies, of course, I think will probably still sustain most of their value. Even if they do experience a slight dip, they'll recover a lot faster than any of this other stuff will. Um, but yeah, there's no way that it all, it, it all sustains for 10 years um, at, at the prices that they're at right now. It just won't happen. It's funny. You mentioned like spreading your money out, you know, um, because the first thing I was thinking about when you said how, how close every basketball team is right now is, 
And maybe one of the reasons why it looks like the market is soft is I, I honestly think there's a lot of people right now holding a lot of high-end rookies across several teams. Whereas like last year, and I'm not saying everyone predicted that the Lakers were going to win, but at, at, most people were saying Lakers or Clippers, right? It was yeah. like, it was like almost 100% no. or, or Bucks or Bucks, right? It yeah. was like Bucks out of the East and it was like Lakers or, or Clippers. And uh, this year, there's really not one specific, last year it was like Giannis, 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 like load up on yeah. Giannis, right? Now yep. there's just, it, I mean, did you, do you go Donovan Mitchell? Do you go, did you yeah. go um, Booker? You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're uh, CP three, like they're, they're just, there's so many, there's so many op Jokic. Like there's no one even knows who, who the MVP is going to be this year. Exactly. I was just you know about I mean? to mention that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, whereas it's before an, it was like, there was like a little bit of idea. Now it's like, no one even, no one has any idea what's happening and so i think there's a lot of people who much like you said are either just like waiting it out for like the first uh team to like push above the rest yeah or i think uh there's a few people that are holding a bunch of names that are just waiting for like th that name to spike like jason yeah. tatum yesterday dropped 60 right so like and you you see they're starting <laughs> they're starting to heat they're starting it's to heat. it's insane i know yeah it's getting close I do um, think uh, – real quick, just one thing I do want to add on before we continue. I think before the narrative was – no one really knew what they were doing. It was a very new market. No one had any clue what they yeah. were doing, before, right? I mean, yeah. if you look back at uh, sales histories, like whatever whatever you use, market movers, card ladder, et cetera, you can see players that weren't even in the playoffs, players that didn't even have a chance in the playoffs, had a huge spike yeah. before the first round began of the postseason because everyone was buying everything. The entire market was going up. Yeah. Now people know the narrative is buy the best players, buy the rare stuff, stick with the best teams, and hold. And I think that's what a lot of people are doing right now, and they're yeah. just going to wait until we get close to the postseason. But it's going to make a very interesting case. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm going to definitely think about putting a post out, You know, spend a week, think about this, do a little bit of research. Yeah. But it's going to be a very interesting time because usually we see you know prices peak during the first round, and this may be a very different season. I 100% yeah. agree. And as far as MVP goes, I didn't even think about this until you mentioned it, but yeah. I mean, literally, there's Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid. You could say LeBron James. You could say Giannis. You could say Kawhi. You could say Devin Booker. You could say Chris Paul. You could say Donovan Mitchell. That was like eight or nine players right there. And, and, Usually, and, it's one or two, yeah. three maximum. Yeah. This is insane. It's an unbelievable it's year for basketball and an unbelievable year for cards. Yeah, it's, it's insane. And, uh, That's a positive thing in, in any league, right? That's what you want. Because essentially, yeah. it's people spreading it out and putting their bets all over the roulette uh, table uh, in, in hopes of of hitting big. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's, yep. that's a, I think that's a, a positive thing. Cause we we're trying, we're looking for positive things. There's a lot of people being a little bit down on, on the fact that the overall market is softening some of the bigger cards, you know, the, 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 the things we've, we've seen going on with the, the chart for the Jordan, for example, which yeah. kind of is the kind of top of the mountain when it comes to the market yeah. in terms of the way it moves. Um, is it fair to say, by the way, that if in the, in the, in the context of spreading out, investment strategies and you've you touch on this stuff mostly through your your humor content which which i appreciate um which is the concept of you know okay if if i'm a little rattled by the basketball market i'm or maybe i'm happy with where i stand and i don't want to take any risks is it fair to say that a basketball collector is more likely to kind of go into some of these these new areas we're seeing just off the top of my head nfts 
mm-hmm. uh, tickets, that sort of thing. Is 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 that something that's happening in the basketball community more so than any more so than elsewhere? Like, and would a basketball collector start to consider UFC via the Prism brand, or maybe hockey via just trying a new sport, something like that? Here's my overall opinion on the basketball collector. I wouldn't say that a basketball collector, a true basketball fan and someone that's specifically stuck with basketball because they like the sport and because it's their favorite sport. And that's why they entered the hobby. I don't think that those guys specifically are going to just be in it to try to make money no matter what. There's going to be a percentage of those people that will people that will try out those NFTs, people that will try other sports that that the specific basketball fans and collectors that basketball is their number one favorite sport. Some of them will do it, but I think a good majority of them will mostly stick to basketball and diversify a little bit amongst other things. They're not going to commit too much money to anything else. However, basketball is by far, in my opinion, in the ultra modern era, the era era that we're in is the heartbeat of the hobby is what I've said before. If you ask any hockey fan, well, not any hockey fan, but if you ask a lot of hockey collectors or baseball collectors or football collectors or soccer collectors, a lot of those people will also invest in basketball. It's the hottest thing, and it makes sense. It's the strongest market with the strongest outlook on the future. By far, it's the number one market to at least have a little bit of money in if you want to diversify. And so in my opinion, a lot of these basketball collectors and a lot of collectors in other sports, they're willing to diversify a lot more. They're willing to put more money into NFTs. They're willing to put more money into Top Shot. They're willing to put more money into UFC or football or soccer or basketball. They're willing to just spread out their money a lot amongst other forms of investing or amongst other markets. Um, so overall, I wouldn't say necessarily a lot of basketball collectors do, but a lot of people that happen to buy basketball in this era are going to spread their money out amongst other things because they aren't specifically stuck to basketball. Yeah, I think you're correct in that sense that that an outside collector uh, in baseball or hockey would, to them, going into basketball would be like potentially a basketball collector trying out something else because they're mm. they want to taste that again. For me, as as a mostly a hockey and baseball guy, I have that temptation, but at the same time, I, I I'm not super comfortable getting into something I'm not super familiar with. I, I'm super uncomfortable anytime I'm handling cards of a sport that I'm not familiar with, which I'm sure you know make makes sense, right? Um, but, but it is interesting that I, I ask about that because I know that, you know, some of the origins of what's going on here was there was a crossover from sneakers. Is that correct? A lot of sneaker collectors were like, I think, look, I'm get into some cards as well. Yep. Yep. I, I think so. Personally, a lot of people that I talk to that flip sneakers are now buying a little bit more cards. Although I wouldn't say that they're fully into yeah. cards yet. A lot of them are kind of 50, yeah. 50 personally. Yep. Right on. Right on. Yeah. I think you know, you, I also think a lot of like the alt, the ultra modern basketball instead of just like jumping sports I think and we've seen the prices of a lot of vintage basketball go up. Do you know what I mean? Because like if 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 the modern stuff isn't moving and like you know that your best bet going into the playoffs is literally just holding this stuff, like the best thing you can do then is to like buy into the heritage and that 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 softens your your risk, right? Like you can mm-hmm. still hold the ultra modern. And even if you have a guy out in the first round, like you have a lot of Booker and Booker's out in the first round, you, you still have those Akeems, you know what I mean? You still yep. like, you've got a Larry Bird. Like you, you, I see there's a lot more emphasis this year on vintage than there was last year. Last year was literally all ultra modern. Like Tyler hero was through the roof. 
like every time a person popped off in the playoffs, his card would 20x easy, um, mm-hmm. especially if it was like an unknown person. Um, but like now it's become a little bit less reactionary and a little bit more honestly sustainable, like in, in investing in, in the low pop old school stuff. It's, it's all about safety. Uh, yeah. It's all about safety and rarity. I mean, like you just said, low pop stuff pretty much any parallel that is numbered is going to be relatively safe for any player. Right. Um, Because here's the thing, like you just mentioned before, there was like zero talk about vintage. It was all about base cards, silvers, low, uh, high pop cards and stuff like that. Flipping, you know, selling in the, in the short term and stuff like that. Right. Um, And the conversation has shifted a lot. We've seen the base market tank. It's officially plateaued and I don't think it's going to be experiencing any major jumps or any major dips for, at least a little while, unless yeah. of course something else happens. Um, and a lot and vintage prices are much higher because in my opinion, a lot of people are, are sticking with the safer stuff. That's, that's yeah. the narrative. Now buy the high pop stuff, buy the legends, stick with you, what you know is going to work out in the long term. Because if you look at it, base cards don't move at all pretty much anymore. If you buy one, you can buy it, maybe get it graded and sell it for a profit. Yeah. That's pretty much it. As far as investing in base cards go, unless it's, someone that scores 50 points like Kevin Porter Jr. did a couple of days ago. I was right? just about to ask you how you feel about Prospecting. KBJ, to be honest. I'll, I'll mention it, right? I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, talk yeah. about it. We, we got to right talk about this. it after this. Yeah. Base cards are basically used for prospecting. However, however, if you look at some of these parallels, they're breaking records and breaking ceilings yeah. pretty much every single day because yeah. a lot more people are shifting their focus towards holding for the long term, buying the stuff that they know is going to survive and the stuff that they don't have to worry about quite as much. Yeah. And I think that's especially going to be in the narrative as we hopefully get back to somewhat normal lives here in the future. Um, and people won't have to worry about, Hey, you know, checking the scores every night, every, seeing what's yeah. going on in the league. Yes. They can just kind of check it every week, every month and see how their investments are doing and then decide if they want to sell, uh, sell or not. Right. Yeah. Uh, now, if you want, we can talk a little bit about K- KPJ or it, certain players like that. <laughs> I like him. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of his basketball play. I think he's incredibly talented. I think he is – he's special. Like, he's got that special in him. I, mm-hmm. One issue is his is discipline, man. Like, he just yeah. – uh, yeah. And, I mean, obviously, it kind of hurts playing in Houston right now, given, like, just nonstop turmoil there. I mean, essentially, <laughs> since Harden left. And actually, yeah. probably since they acquired John Wall, I mean, in a questionable trade. At the time, it looked good. But, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. given his injury concerns, I mean, you don't – It was risky. It's not I, think that, I think that it wasn't terrible. Uh, I think that – I honestly think it was kind of a smart move because his contract expires relatively soon. He's playing I mean, it, still it very low, well. low risk, you know. But I I find it was like a a copping out in terms of like assembling a big three, you know, like you Mm -hmm. bring in like cousins who's basically like on the way out, you bring in like wall off like two major surgeries, Yeah, you know, and and I don't know, but uh, I like KPJ. I like, there's a lot of baby Harden comparisons out there. Very similar play styles. He's developed into a much better playmaker than I ever expected. He's now kind of being used more as a point guard. Um, he's going to fill up the stat sheet. So one thing that concerns me is his inefficiency, but he is in his second year in the league. Yeah. I'm not going to give him too much crap for it. Yeah. Um, we'll see what he does as they continue to build, right? Let's see what his role looks like. I think he can be a, a one or two time all-star three time all-star. I'm not expecting him to ever be a top 10 player in the league. Although I'm not going to say it's impossible. Yeah. I just, don't personally expect it um i do agree discipline is a bit of an issue he had a very rough childhood which which i feel terribly for him he had a very rough childhood and growing up period 
Um, and honestly, I'm kind of surprised that he isn't in worse condition than he is. Uh, as far as, you know, mentality goes, he yeah, seems to be sure. actually doing a lot better in Houston than he was in Cleveland. So that's always great to see. Yeah. I say we just got to give him time, see what happens with his mentality, see what happens with his discipline, and hopefully things all work out with him in the end. What's, what's one thing you're looking at buying in the not-so-distant future? I was going to ask something along those lines. I was going to say, Sam, give us, give our listeners a play as we head towards the playoffs and – Let's also see uh, how you go in terms of some of the, the older stuff. Give us a give us a uh, non-modern play as well, if you will. Interesting. All right. My, non-modern is not exactly my super strong suit, but I will still try to think about it a little bit. Sure. As far as a, a playoff, a playoff buy would go, it's honestly kind of rough because it is so close. If you honestly, I might say Kyrie Irving. Because while he is the third option there, he's still a very good player. And I think that it's pretty safe to say the Brooklyn Nets are going to be good for like the next six or so years. Because Harden does have another year on his contract after this year. He wants to stay, I think, in Brooklyn. They can keep that big three around for another four or five years. And I think even if they don't win this year, you can still sell next year or the season after or the season after and still be fine. So I might say Kyrie Irving for the playoffs. If you just want a general play right now, I'm definitely saying um, for football, it's a football play for any of you uh, football fans out there. I'm saying Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, um, Jalen Hurts, and Tua Tua Tungavailoa. I hope I said his name right. It's so confusing sometimes. Reason, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And reason being is those right. Real quick, before the season is always the best time to sell football. Prices get insane before the season starts. And if you buy now, you'll be prepared in case, you know, people start buying earlier now than they, you know, than they would have last year. Um, But those are the guys that specifically see the biggest increase in prices. Last year, the guys that we saw gain the most traction that had the most attention were Drew Locke, Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, some Dwayne Haskins and some Gardner Minshew. All of those guys were going into their second year and they were all quarterbacks. These other four guys that I just mentioned, Joe Burrow, Tua, Jalen Hurts, and Justin Herbert are all four quarterbacks going into their second year. I'm I'm pretty much willing to bet like almost my life, not going to say I will bet my life, but I would almost put my life on the line to say that you will most certainly make money on this play if you're willing to hold for a couple of months before the season starts. That that as far as that ties into one of my favorite plays, Sam, which is 2020 football and 2020 baseball sealed product. Wax, right? yes. Because like, like you just said, how are you, you know, when you've got that deep of a roster and 2020 is such an insane quarterback class, um, what, you know, oftentimes when people look something up, like if you look up an older product and you search on eBay, advanced search highest, what's near the top, the sealed product. Right. Yeah. So, so that, that's one of my favorite plays. I, I, I love that you mentioned that. I'm sure that's on some people's minds, but you tend to forget as new product comes out and new sports and that sort of thing. But anyways, let's get back to uh, perhaps a, a, a less modern play. Less modern play. It's going to be difficult for me. Uh, like I said, this is not my strong suit. Someone I would be willing to invest in as far as, you know, what? I'll say Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony is working his way up the scoring list in basketball. It's not necessarily vintage. But it, it's 2003, you know, it's it's not crazy, crazy. Actually, no, you know what I'll say? I'll say Vince Carter, and I will right. say Carmelo Anthony. 
Two guys I'm willing to bet will make the Hall of Fame when they eventually retire. Vince Carter obviously just retired, so give it three years. Um, those guys will see some major, major traction right before their Hall of Fame induction. We see it every time, even in this current market, right, where things have completely changed in pretty much every aspect. This is one thing that has stayed the same. Right before people are inducted into the Hall of Fame, those guys' cards see a lot of traction and gain a lot of ground. So if you're willing to, you know, if you want a really safe bet and you want to buy something that's not necessarily ultra modern, but it's not necessarily vintage, because like I said, I'm 16. I don't really know. I don't really know it's on a vintage plays out there for you guys. That's fair. So I'll say 2003 for Carmelo Anthony, and I believe Vince Carter was 99 or 2000 for his tops chrome. I'm going to say on Carter because he is someone I I am buying. It's the Toronto nostalgia for us, but also the fact that I I think he's undervalued. Uh, Check this out. This is one of maybe like a dozen cards of basketball that I own. It's a raw card review Carmelo. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, Now, the reason why I own this is I was, I was saying this on one of one of our previous podcasts is, you know, when you're up at 3 AM and you're searching for really poorly listed uh, listings, so one of my favorite things, I'm just going to toss it out there for people, is sometimes people will not use the term BGS. They'll, they'll put graded or Beckett, yep. throw that out there as a strategy. And if I see a play, so in terms of like vintage baseball, if I see a Jeter in that situation or someone that at least I'm familiar with that I grew up watching, I'm, I'm going to purchase it. And I'll tell you, I, I probably got this for about half of what a slabbed BGS9 goes for. So Nice. And, and you glad, already know it. Like, you giving out those names. So. Yeah. Um, real quick, something else I want to mention just along those lines is also like look up commonly misspelled names of certain players, right? Absolutely. Just mix up the letters every once in a while and you actually will find a couple of steals out there. Yeah. Just just a heads up. Like, so Con- be willing Connor to type Mc- in a couple of wrong names. Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid, Connor McGregor, Connor McGregor. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's that's a smart one. And see, I you know I was catching on to stuff like that when I was your on your when I was around your age and messing around on eBay. You figure there's got to be a different way than just looking at all the listings that everyone else is is checking out. So yeah, exactly. I'm glad you brought when that I up. was your age, Connor. <laughs> back <laughs> in my day. Back in the day, fella. Well, listen, man, it, it, it was great chatting with you, Sam. Um, you you make me laugh. Um, you make me want to check out a sport that I'm not familiar with. Uh, we appreciate having you here. And uh, I think we, we also exposed our viewers to some good stuff as well. That it's been we, fun, man. When Thank we're you guys are talking. I had a blast. This was great. Thank yeah, you. it was great, man. Well, we, we hope to have you back one day, and I'll, I'll chat with you soon on Instagram. Of course, we gotta, we gotta drop the TikTok followers after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. We'll do, we'll do a exactly. sketch. Don't worry, Aton. You'll find out what that is. I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah, you, somehow. It, it'll come button. eventually. Don't yeah, worry about it. Yeah. I'll press All the right. button and delete it by accident. <laughs> it was awesome. All right, All right I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as we did, and uh, you guys keep crushing it out there. Coach, go out. Peace.